You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host Nilin. This is the show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, and selling your home to live and to sell. Welcome back to season twelve. This is episode three. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Home Staging Show. I hope you enjoyed our photo week last week. I had a lot of fun teaching it live, and I actually haven't done live teaching for a while now. And to be honest, I had some mindset issues around it. So thank you so much for those of you who showed up live and said hello, and those of you who watch a replay. It was really, really fun to actually test this out in Facebook group this time. So yeah, so I hope you like that format, and I would love to know what you think as well. Um, and also, just a quick reminder: if you're interested in our interior photography for stagers course, that pre-launch price is going to go up soon. So make sure you check that out on our website, and I'll leave a link in the show notes for you to enroll. The price will be going up once the pre-launch period is over. And we are launching something very special this Black Friday. I'm really, really excited. It's something that really hasn't been done in the home staging industry, and I think it's something that's really going to help home stagers like you who want to build a vibrant, a thriving home staging business to push your business forward in a very systematic way, but with accountability and mentorship built in. So more details will be coming out soon for that, just before Black Friday. So keep your eye out out on that in our Instagram and also on our website as well. Today I've got Christine Cowell on the show. She's one of our International Home Staging Awards 2020 winner in the Best Home Staging Website category. I think your website is such an important sales tool for your home staging business, especially since now that's how our customers can find us and check us out before they call us. Just like selling houses, where over ninety percent of buyers first look for homes online before they go to an open house, it's the same with hiring a home stager. So this is why we did a photo week last week to help you refine your photography and your presentation, because those are kind of things that are really going to help you sell yourself as a real estate professional today, especially with photography. A lot of times, I see home stagers. I can tell they're really talented. They know what they're doing, but the photo doesn't tell that story. The photo actually is selling them short. And a lot of times, it has to do with maybe the photo is、uh, composed, the way the photo is composed, the way the photograph is shot. Because a lot of times, home stagers are using real estate listing photos、um, as their portfolio photos. Why I totally understand why people do that, and I did that as well. But really, if you really want a, a really great portfolio that really speaks to who you are as a home stager, you really have to curate and you really have to pay attention to the composition and the overall presentation as well. And this is why we did a photo week last week because those are kind of things. Even if you hire a photographer,、uh, even if you hire a photographer, you still should know because those are kind of things that's going to help you communicate with the photographer as well, and also really be able to tell them, tell your photographer what exactly kind of shot that you need for your home staging portfolio. So this week on the podcast, we're talking about the website,、um, and since you need the website to house all your beautiful staging photos. And a little bit about Christine. Christine started staging homes in 2016 while working while working full time as a fundraising and communications director for a private school, which was at many at many times more than 40 hour a week job. And her husband Mauricio was also working full time, and they would stage in evenings and on the weekends. They would work all day and go rent a moving truck, meet at their storage unit, load up for staging, and work very late into the evenings or on weekends. 
moving furniture in and out of the houses they were staging. So I just want to say um, something about this as well, because I think it's really encouraging that Christine is sharing her experience like this, like working part-time as a stager while she's working full-time in the day job. And actually a lot of our students in our six-figure floor plan course does that as well. They would actually part-time as a stager at first to make sure they build up their clientele. And then once they feel that they're safe to leave and they have a, a enough like enough living costs and expenses and all that stuff um, save up and then they're ready to leave. Um, a lot of times people are jumping straight in and they feel like they have to quit their day job. And I wanna encourage you to really think about that as well because a lot of times I get emails, people are like, oh, I'm so excited to start my home staging business. I already quit my day job. What do I do now? Um, I really encourage you to map out uh, who you are as a home stager, what's your mo business model going to be, how you're going to get clients and all that good stuff and do your market research before you fully transition into a home staging career. And then also we have a free opt-in that is a free home staging business plan on our website that you can download. You can just go to stageformore.com and then in our footer on the lower left-hand side, you will see all the freebies that we offer uh, through our school. Um, so you can download the business plan there. You can also watch tons of free training as well. So back to Christine. In 2017, she took a break from staging homes uh, while still working full-time at the school to take a course through her local nonprofit organization geared toward helping women to become self-employed. She really wanted to understand all aspects of running a business and setting up their staging company correctly. In early 2018, she started buying furniture wholesale, invested in a moving van and start staging again. And then she left her full-time job in mid 2019 and her husband left his job in early 2020, just in time for COVID, yay. Um, yeah. Um, and so it's been a wild ride for them, but they're fortunate that their local real estate market is still active and most agents have understand, uh, uh, most agents there understand the value of staging. Prior to st starting Style and Sage Santa Barbara, she worked for 20 years in the fundraising and communications in the nonprofit and government sector. She pursued a year, she pursued a graphic design certificate from UC Santa Barbara, completing the program in 2009. As most nonprofits have a lean staff, she produced a print and online marketing material for those organizations, giving her the ability and skills to create Style and Sage Santa Barbara's website and all the collateral. So yeah, so let's get started. I cannot wait to hear what Christine has to say about creating her website. Hi, Christine. I'm so excited that you're here today. You're one of our winners for our first Home Stager Awards. Congratulations. Thank you, Cindy. I'm really excited to be here as well. And I just want to honor you and all the work that you've done in getting that the first home staging awards off the ground and everything that you do to really elevate our industry. I appreciate it. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. I promise I didn't pay Christine to say this nice thing. <laughs> but yeah, so before we started, let's find out a little bit more about you. So tell us about you and your business, where are you working at and all that good stuff. 
Okay, great. So my company is Styled and Staged Santa Barbara, and we operate in the larger Santa Barbara area. In general, we kind of go about maybe 30 miles north and 30 miles um, south of here. And uh, I started staging in 2016 with no idea at all what I was doing. I called up a friend of mine who was a realtor and said, let me come in. And if you've got a house that is just sort of a mess and needs to look a little bit better and it's going on the market, I'll just come in and work for free and rearrange and uh, see if I have any kind of talent in this or any kind of skill. And so I did it and the place went under escrow really quickly and the realtor was thrilled and she said, I think you've got a great eye for it. So I did a couple of vacant stages after that. I remember running around to a friend's and borrowing a mattress from her and a a headboard from somebody else. And I look back on it now and it was such a not professional job. (laughs) But anyway, so 2016 started just kind of very lightly trying to figure out what this whole staging um, industry was about. I was working full-time as a fundraising director for a private school, and my background is actually in fundraising, event planning, and graphic design. I've done that for about 20 years in the Santa Barbara area, but always just wanted, I don't know, my passion really is in design photography and really wanted to find something else not behind a desk anymore for the next sort of phase of my life after 20 years in, in doing fundraising event planning. So, yeah, no, I was just going to say that's amazing because I do think a lot of things you learn from fundraising and events probably translate into staging very well because all the logistics and moving pieces. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think fundraising, you have to be able to, I think, be able to deal with a lot of different personalities and be able to, you know, stay calm in a lot of different situations, as well as in event planning. When things go wrong, you've got to think on your feet really quickly and figure out solutions. And I think also just kind of always maintaining sort of a a calmness about it helps you get through when things go wrong. And as we know, in staging, something always goes wrong. (laughs) You, uh, you know, on the best day, you forget a light bulb or the lampshade. But you know, there's always you can damage people's homes when you're when you're inside moving furniture around. So I think um, always kind of being able to keep that level head helps out a lot. No, it's weird. It's like always something goes wrong, right? Like always. I, so <laughs> I always get the butterfly. Even in year twelve, I was still like, oh, if we forget the pillow, that's fine. That's the only thing that went exactly. today. That is fine. But yeah. I think a lot of it is anticipation and seeing the next steps and see potentially where problems might be. And I think that's what most people don't realize when they got into staging is that there's so much logistics in what we do. Definitely. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, I'll meet somebody and they say, what do you do? And I say home staging. They say, oh, that must be so fun. And the fun part, you know, for me is the design, but that's maybe I don't know, 10% of the time of what we do. The rest of the time you're juggling, you know, a lot of moving pieces, schedules, very last minute, realtor wanting to get it done yesterday, you know, getting everything done in time for photography. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of of moving pieces. And especially now with COVID trying to get our hands on new furniture um, pieces is really challenging. So yeah, there's a lot of moving, moving parts to juggle. And definitely my event planning background, I think in, and fundraising helps out a lot with that. I know. Also, like the stress management, I feel like, because events, <laughs> you really see all sorts. Because yeah. I worked for event planner after college, and it's amazing because 
she did these large conferences for large companies. So sometimes a conference is just for their internal HR like departments from around the country. And you literally have meet people like they never left their house before. Like they don't know how to call a taxi in San Francisco, for example. Like there's so much nuances just like dealing with people and people get emotional. They're outside of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Much like real estate, I feel like there's so many emotional triggers sometimes and that we have to deal with. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I've done a lot of wedding planning and you end up being part therapist oh my God. <laughs> at times. Yes. I can't even imagine, especially the brides. I mean, and the mom as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think the moms are worse. <laughs> I know I did event design for a minute and I think wedding was very tricky dealing with the families. I'm always like, uh, event planner, can you handle this? I'm just going to deal with the flowers. Yeah, they don't call back at me. Um, so tell us a little bit about the services that you provide in your home staging business. Yeah, so we do vacant home staging and we also offer occupied home staging. We don't bring in any of our own furnishings in the occupied home staging. We just work with what's already there. And then I also do some interior uh, decorating. I've got a couple of clients, but I'd say largely about vacant staging is about 90% of our business. That's great. I love it. I, my bread and butter was vacant staging. I feel like it's a nice dictatorship. Like I don't have to deal with <laughs> occupied homes. That's nice. Yes. Yeah. So in 2016, I started just kind of dabbling in staging. And then in 2017, I knew that I really wanted to understand it better and also um, work on a business plan and really analyze different business models and see what made most sense. And at first I thought I was going to just do only occupied staging and then bring in, you know, rugs and some artwork and some things of my own. But after I really kind of ran the numbers and looked at, you know, startup costs with vacant staging, renting furniture versus owning your furniture. And in the long run, the vacant staging had the most profitability. It was certainly, we're still getting there, but it has a huge startup expense. And, you know, there's ongoing expenses to keep buying new pieces. But overall, I felt like the vacant staging was really what I wanted to be doing most. And also, like you just said, it's less having to deal with people and their emotions and being in their house and you're moving grandma's, you know, piece of furniture around. And there's a lot of emotion with that. And that wasn't why I wanted to be doing staging. Yeah, no, I agree. And also, I think the profit margin in general, it's higher because once you able to get, so once you order, also like once you start ordering wholesale, your profit margin is going to go so much higher than buying retail. And then you're able to have more control as well in terms of the look and feel that you want to create through your saving, which is one of the questions I have for you later, because I just love the look that you have. It's so Santa Barbara. It's so airy and fresh and bright. And it's so streamlined and it's so consistent. I think that's one of the things too, that that's why you're very successful is because your work always look very on point and very, very like, so the clients know exactly what they're going to get when they hire you, basically. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we stagers, we all still have our own style, even though you're going into homes and you should really be paying attention to who the potential buyer is, the style of the home. But still, once you start, like I can look at all the staged homes in town and pretty much tell you who did it because everybody brings, you know, there's just a certain way of of putting things together, of how you layer, 
that I can generally tell whose whose work it is. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit, because I saw on your website, you also provide photography as well. So that's my husband. So our business is just my husband and myself, and he does the photography. So far, that hasn't been a huge portion of our business. And we're trying to build that build that side out. But most of the photos on our website um, was taken by him or some of them just by me on my phone. That's amazing. We're yeah. going to talk about that later. But yeah, I think also having photography, it's also a strong differentiator for you as well. And then also it's more flexible because if you, because we used to also incorporate photography within our staging service and it's so much nicer because then we're not on the realtor's schedule. They don't have to be like, oh, I schedule a photographer for 12. And yeah. I'm like, I just got here. It's like an hour to 12. What? Exactly. You know? So yeah, so definitely more like more control for you as a home staging business owner. So tell us a little bit about your market in Santa Barbara. What is it like? Well, right now our market it's booming. We have a lot of people moving out from because of COVID that they want out of bigger cities. And uh, with more people working remotely, we're finding that we're getting a lot of um, homeowners from the Bay Area and from the LA area moving here. So we actually have pretty low inventory. Sometimes that would mean that people don't feel like they need to stage. But in our area, I think we're pretty pretty much like Bay Area and, and LA area and probably on the East Coast as well. Staging is really becoming the, the norm and expectation. And a lot of the agents here really see the value. So I don't have to spend a lot of my time trying to convince agents that they should be doing home staging. It's more of the agents and myself trying to convince you know the homeowner to see the value and understand it. But there's a pretty high expectation here that homes are staged and look really top notch because again, like the Bay Area and like LA, the price point here is really high. So I think with that comes uh, probably just a higher expectation of what you know the homes should look like. Yeah, especially if you're getting a lot of Bay Area buyers coming down, they they are going to have that Bay Area expectation. It's really mm-hmm. funny because. When you live in the Bay Area and the pricing is so high and you go to anywhere else, it just feels like <laughs> you have a skewed sense of like what is right. I remember yeah. when I first moved to London, people were like, oh, your rent is quite high. I was like, really? Because in San Francisco, <laughs> that's like cheap. You know, like your whole your whole price point is skewed. Skewed, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, their expectation probably is going to be higher since they're used to the kind of Bay Area standard. Definitely. Yeah. So what kind of homes do you typically stage in Santa Barbara? So it's funny, when I first started out, I would stage any home that somebody would hire me to do, regardless of style or size of the home. And after staging a couple of four or 5,000 square foot homes, I'm definitely on the luxury um, end of the market. I quickly realized that that's not what we want to be doing. Our company is just my husband and myself. We do We move all the furniture ourselves and to do that size of house, just there's a level of quality of furniture that I think, you know, you need and size of rugs, antiques. And it's just not where we want to be spending our our money on our inventory and investments. So we really started to narrow down and kind of go for the under 3,000, under 2,500 square foot homes. And in Santa Barbara, those are typically either first time home buyer um, or some of those are vacation homes, people buying, you know, living down in LA and wanting to have a place on the weekend to come up to. 
Yeah, no, I agree with that. I used to want to do like big McMansion. And once I start doing them, I was like, I hate this. I like my little like 1800 skirt fee yeah. house. Like we can get it done in five hours, like in and out and be home in the afternoon, like putting your feet up, watch daytime television kind of thing. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I one of your podcast I was listening to. And I remember you saying that, you know, pick your style and and size of home that you want to be doing and focus on that. And I I was just getting started and I thought, she's crazy. I'm going to stage whatever home (laughs) I can get my hands on. And um, I quickly learned that, you know, you just need bigger everything and it takes longer. And I think there's certain expectations to the quality of the, you know, the level of the furnishings that are going in there, the artwork, real artwork, instead of, you know, maybe nicely framed canvas, you know, we're now getting more tailored to the size of the couches that we buy, the size of the accent chairs and all of those, because we know what fits in, you know, like you said, 1800 square foot home. We love doing the, the little craftsmen's bungalows here the cottages and we're buying starting to buy and make more smarter decisions about what we buy based on what we know is going to work well in those size homes yeah once you niche down it's so much easier in terms of inventory buying because then you can just pinpoint which vendors you need so you can be just three to five and then you always go to their show see what's you know upcoming and because you focus on those vendors, they're going to love you. And so it's going to be a really good relationship working together. Yeah. So that's why I'm just like, keep it simple. Also, I think from an operational standpoint, it's so hard to kind of try to buy every single type of inventory. And it's so much nicer, especially like smaller homes, like little bungalows and stuff. People love them. I mean, they look so cute, you know, like those are kind of homes I'd like to stage. So yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I made this face when you say you listen to a podcast. I still think no one <laughs> listens to the podcast. I and I was always so shocked when people were like, oh, I listened to your podcast. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> no, I've learned. I've learned a lot. I mean, we'll get into it a little bit later on, but I made a lot of changes to our website when COVID happened and we shut down. Actually, that's really interesting. Let us talk about that now because I think that was actually my next question. Like, how has COVID impact your business? I feel like... Okay. Debbie Downer talking about this, but I also feel like it's important to talk about because everybody's business has pivoted since COVID. Definitely. So yeah, we shut down like everybody else. I remember the March 20th, we were in the middle of finishing up a staging job and California governor said, you know, everything comes to a halt. And I remember that clearly. And we didn't work for three months. So having zero income for three months was really... um, pretty scary. But once things started moving and opening up again, um, our real estate market here in Santa Barbara has just been on fire. So we have actually been in a great position since we started working again. We've staged more homes in the past, I think, two months than maybe we did in a, I don't know, the previous like four month period before we did shut down. Because it's just my husband and myself, we feel, and we're like going into mostly to vacant homes, we're, you know, able to feel pretty safe in what we're doing. And we don't have employees that we've had to ask to come, you know, 
leave their home and come start working again. So we've been, I think for the most part, compared to a lot of other businesses and, and families, we've been less impacted. And I feel very, very fortunate for that. A lot of friends in the event industry and in the wedding industry, and they're still not working at all. And, and my heart just goes out to them. Yeah. I have friends in events as well. It's really rough. I mean, they can, like they physically cannot reopen, you know, it's a high risk activity. So yeah. So, so how has the website helped you with your business during COVID or post COVID? So our website, well, so once we did shut down um, back in March, we thought, well, let's spend some time on our marketing. And we did a big revamp of our website our website is hosted on Squarespace. And so it makes it really easy to make changes. With my background in graphic design, we're able to do the website ourselves. And then we also did spend a lot of time looking and researching about search engine um, optimization and how we can improve our ranking on Google. And so through the work that we did while we were shut down, we're now showing up when you type in home staging Santa Barbara, we're the first ones that come up. And so we put a lot of time into getting that ranking um, pretty high. And now there's some maintenance that you need to do to, you know, kind of make sure that you still stay on that, the top of that page. But we're getting found from realtors and homeowners. I get calls all the time because of our website and because we're on that first page. So it, it, it does take time. And if you don't know how to do that all yourself, then hire somebody to do it for you. But it, it really we get found and we get jobs because of that. It's either referrals or the website. And that's how we get all of our work. I love that. Yay. <laughs> I always push for online marketing. I think it's so important, especially in the age of Google. And then a lot of stages are like, no, I don't believe you. And I'm always like, I'm like, when I hear stories like yours, I'm like validated. Yes. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so tell me a little bit. So what did you do to improve your SEO on Squarespace? Yeah. So we focus yeah, getting some external links, also having your Google My Business profile set up yeah. and posting to it regularly and getting reviews on Google, I think has helped tremendously. So that's if awesome. you don't have your Google My Business account set up, I think that's really important to get that done. And it's free. And keep it active and it's free. <laughs> I know. I'm all about using free tools. That's, that's really exciting to hear, actually. And just even within a few months, you're able to get on Google page number one. That's so yes. awesome. Yes. Yeah. 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 That was, that was our, our COVID coup. <laughs> and just, yeah, keep doing because you're going to dominate and then be the top half, first half that you really will just start getting so many more calls once you do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's really important. And then yeah. I think having an active social media presence, you know, posting regularly on Instagram and Facebook and even, you know, Pinterest and all those things, I think just help support and kind of validate your business. I don't know that I've really gotten any jobs just because of Instagram, but when somebody's looking on your website and then they go to your Instagram feed and then, or maybe find you look on a Facebook, all of that relates. And I think it's really important to have consistent posts, but also know your brand and what is it you want to be saying about your company and across all platforms, it needs to be consistent. Yeah, no, I think that's so important. And those are the things you can do it yourself, even if you're a seasoned stager or like a new stager as well. I think one of the misconceptions 
that new stagers have. It's like, well, I don't have portfolio. I don't have clients yet. Like, what can I do to establish my like qualifications and all this? But really, you can do that yourself on social media now. You know, you control what kind of content you put out. Even if you just stage like a vignette in your own house, like no one's going to know that, right? And no. you just post it, people see it. You're like, they're like, oh, this looks good. Like, you know, we should call so-and-so. So yeah, like I love that, that you mentioned that. Because I do think especially now online marketing platforms like social media, they're also being used as search engine. So it is really important for you to have some sort of presence on there. Plus it's free. Like it doesn't cost you anything to post. So just take that five minutes a day and interact. And that will just really help you growing your social media for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I get so much design inspiration from other people's Instagram feeds. I mean, I have favorite um, designers and stagers, stylists that I follow. And I I love it because I'm always learning like, oh, let's check out what's that product? Where's that from? And next thing I'm off buying and finding how can I get that wholesale and incorporating that into the you know next staging. So I get so much design inspiration. I mostly spend way too long on Instagram, but... <laughs> Pinterest is really good now too. Like you can actually search like where this product is from. It's kind of Mm -hmm. amazing. I forgot how exactly to do it. I'm sure if you Google, you can find it. But I watched your designer. She was like, oh, I really like this this photo, like this chair in this photo, for example. And then she did like a reverse search within Pinterest and she was Mm -hmm. able to find out where she found that chair. So yeah. Okay, I'll look into that. Yeah. And especially, I think most people don't really understand when they first got into staging, like a big part of our job is actually sourcing because if everybody just buy things from the same stores, like home goods, Ikea or Target, wherever else, then they're just going to be like, clients going to be like, well, your stuff looks like other people's stuff. But if you know how to buy and how to really source creatively, you can really create that really unique look for your home staging work. That is a big piece of it. I'm still trying to find new, you know, wholesale vendors to have that have the certain pieces that I'm interested in, and I'm constantly trying to find um, some new sources. But yeah, I think it's also I, I've got these two rattan char- uh, chairs from Target that I you you'll see a lot on my website. I love them. But yeah, I think it's knowing how to pick a piece that might be you know at home goods, but then be able to pair it with other, you know, unique items and yeah, kind of create a, a look that maybe hopefully you don't see everywhere else. Yeah, no, I love that. I used to go to antique shops a lot too. And in Barrett, there's actually quite a few producers that do samples for big companies like Pottery Barn and Restoration Hardware. So I used to go shop at their warehouse when they do sample sales. And that's how I was able. And also like I tap into event planners as well because somehow they have a different source than ours. Mm -hmm. They get so many cool tabletop bases and like tchotchkes and stuff. So I actually went to like event planners warehouses and buy a bunch of stuff there too. That's a good idea. I'm going to take that one. (laughs) (laughs) Feel free to steal it. (laughs) Tell me a little bit more about like creating the look actually, because one of the things I really love about your website, I think kind of looks like your staging. It's very airy and fresh and bright and it's very consistent throughout. And I think overall it's a very strong brand. And I have to commend you for that as well, because I think it's really, really hard to pinpoint that by doing it yourself. I think most people, like we're going through a rebrand process right now. And even working with a brand designer, I'm still like, uh, 
I know this is not exactly what I want, but I can't tell you why exactly this is not what I want. <laughs> you know, so how, what is your process to really pinpoint down like your look and feel and also your brand? Gosh, um, I don't know if I have a, I don't think I have a, since I do it all myself, it's more of staying up late at night and looking at, spend a lot of time looking at other stylists other like I love Serena Lily catalog so I really spend a lot of time looking at what I like and then trying to break it down and analyze and say what is it about this photograph this catalog this uh, this stagers you know living room that they did whatever it is I really try to break it down and understand what makes that so strong visually and then decide take those elements of it and apply it to either my brand or our staging but it's been a lot of a lot of hours of not just saying what do I like but why do I like this and trying to kind of dig deep into the aesthetic or the reason that somebody might have made that design decision so yeah and I do think your website and all of your marketing materials should be consistent but also reflect the style of staging that you do. And I really tried to, when I was doing a big website revamp, um, trying to really clean it up. And I had to really think about like, okay, what am I trying to visually convey? And it was that cleanness and that kind of clean lines, I think. And so that's literally what I wanted to convey in our website and also in the work that we do in staging. There's no one process, but it was a lot of me staying up late at night usually with a glass of wine in my hand and trying to think about what do I want our style and staging to be and how do, am I going to reflect that in our website and on our business cards and, and any promotional materials that, that we have. Yeah. I think editing is so important. And I have to say, I think most like most strong, like really strong stylists I've met or seen like their work and stuff. It's because they're really good editor. Like they're really <laughs> home into what they're about. And I think that's what you did. You, you knew that you want simple lines and you want them to look really fresh and you want that not only with your brand, but also your website and then your staging as well. And I think that really shines through where it's very consistent all the way. Thank you, Cindy. Yeah. And that's amazing. And so what made you decide on Squarespace? Um, this is not a ad for Squarespace, by the way. <laughs> we should get into sponsor, but I don't sponsor anyone. So. <laughs> so my background in addition to fundraising and event planning was also in graphic design. And both my husband and I have different sort of skill sets in the graphic design uh, world. And I built an several websites using Dreamweaver back when, and then WordPress, and then started building a couple of websites um, for clients on Squarespace. And it was just, they've evolved a lot and their capabilities and their designs and templates, but also like the kind of the, the backend um, is really robust. So it's just so much easier building a website on Squarespace than I find that I have the time at all to do like on WordPress anymore. Also, Squarespace has a lot of SEO built into it. And um, so for that reason, we decided to ditch WordPress. And, and from now on, if I'm doing a website for a client, it's going to be on Squarespace or or not at all. 
Yeah, no, I agree with that. Because we used to be on Squarespace. I'm sorry, WordPress as well. And I think mm-hmm. the learning curve is actually really steep. Even though it's like an open source and free software, right. there's actually a lot of additional costs. Like you buy new themes, you buy plugins and all this stuff. And we used to get all this really random Russian traffic, you know, trying to hack our site. But not so much ever since mm-hmm. Space. And I think in the beginning, people were like, yeah, WordPress, the SEO is really strong. But now I feel like Squarespace is pretty much equally as strong and actually more accessible because I don't have to download five different plugins to like boost my SEO on my WordPress site. I also love that Squarespace can have commerce built in as well, like a very simple one if you just pay like the business plan. So we can mm-hmm. sell like checklists and, you know, like books and stuff on our website. Um, it's a really, really flexible solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, Squarespace kind of caught up to WordPress. And then I feel like it's just gone even further in terms of ease of use. And uh, yeah, it just takes too long to learn and keep up with everything on WordPress. And yeah. too much code to write. Although I still have that mental barrier, like... I feel like the older I get, the less tech savvy I am because I just have this mental <laughs> barrier. And then like setting up printer, for example, I'm always calling my sisters like, can you do this? But, but yeah, you know how Squarespace now comes up with uh, 7.1 and it's like completely a different interface. And I'm just mentally resisting changing it over really because the migration, I feel like it's going to take so much time. Yeah, one of the biggest things when we shut down with COVID was picking a new template and migrating everything over. And I had that same mental barrier. It took me a while to wrap my head around doing that. And it took a while, but it it was worth it. That's good. So you're running on 7.1 now? I think so. Yeah. It's supposed to be better. Like, yeah, a lot of my friends are like, you know, you should think about it. But I'm like, uh, we have 10 years worth of blog posts. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't it's think so. Be beast. Yeah. So I think one of the things we I'm afraid of is switching it over. We're going to break our link structure. That's going to impact our SEO as well. So this is always, you know, the tech stuff. You know, it's it's kind of like, maybe we'll wait and see if 7.2 will be easier or whatever. But yeah. But in the meanwhile, 7.0 is fine for us. And it's been, I think, even within a few years now, it's still great. And let's talk about theme as well. I think one of the things people feel hang up on is like they don't know which theme to pick when they're doing their own website. So what made you decide your current theme? Was it a theme that you pick within Squarespace or you customize it again? I spent a lot of time customizing. So it was, was it seven? I know there was a real good, there was a reason why I picked the theme and it was because of either some layout capability. We had our website on Squarespace and the theme wouldn't allow me to do full bleed on your photo. To do full bleed slideshow, I think it was. Yeah. And now Something you can't. Like, that's your yeah. So I picked a theme being able to do that full bleed. I think like the slideshow. And then on our website, we have that slider. Yeah. That before and after slider. And being able to. That I couldn't put that on every theme in Squarespace. So I had to research which ones were going to be able to allow us to have that slider on there. That's amazing. So is a slider like an add-on or 
it's a piece of code that you're able to do that? It's a piece of code that I just, if you, I Googled, I don't know, before, after slider Squarespace, and it was some code that was on somebody's blog. And then there was a certain number of steps that we had to do. Yeah, you, you can find it on this, somebody's blog post, or I can find the blog if you want me to look it up for you. So there were certain steps, but they walked you through how to set that up on, on Squarespace, but it wasn't something that just comes with Squarespace. Yeah. No, I love the slider feature on your site. I think it's really clear. I also love, I think you made the right choice for your scene because like once, like when you see the full, because we talk about above the fold, right? That's basically yeah. where your your browser cuts off your website uh, above the fold. And then basically it's like this really big photo and it's so clear, especially it's a slideshow as well. It really showcases your capability as a home stager, which I really love. I think one of the things that's really important in marketing, a lot of people often don't think about, it's like your, yes, it's a marketing tool, but the thing is you need to showcase your own capability, like who you are as a stager, like what's your point of view and all this stuff. And I think you did a really good job with your branding and also with your website. I mean, it's very clear once you get on the website, you know exactly what style a product you're going to get, like what kind of, if I were a real estate agent or a home seller, like immediately come on your site, I can tell, I can, I can already see yes or no. Like, is my listing going to fit with this kind of styling as well? Because I think that's the beauty about having a niche is kind of like it automatically deter clients who are not right for you. Right. Because now a huge mention, you know, they have a listing that's a huge mention that's like 10,000 square feet. They come to your side, they'll be like, well, this is not the right stager for us, even though her work is beautiful. So then you, in a way, you don't have to waste your time with clients who are not qualified to work with you. Definitely. Yeah, I think having your website should represent the types of homes that you do or want to be doing. You know, if you've done one luxury listing and then realize that's not what I want to be doing, then that photo should probably not be on your website or at least not be maybe like the main prominent um, photo that people first see. Yeah. yeah. I think you should represent the, the types of homes that you do. And it definitely takes a while to be able to under, you know, I think new stagers, like when I, I was first starting out again, we wanted to do any home that somebody would hire us, but as you grow and develop over time and develop a certain style you know, I will be the right stager for some homes and I'm not the right stager for other homes. You know, training the realtors, I think, to understand that <laughs> as well. It takes a little bit of work. A realtor that we work with a lot called me up the other day and said, oh, I've got this beautiful modern home, you know, and it was, I don't know, 4,000 square feet. And we don't have a lot of truly modern um, style homes here in Santa Barbara. And so my inventory reflects that. And then we don't have a lot of really, truly just modern pieces. And so I had to call her up and say, you know, I'm just not the right stager for this job. We just don't have the right amount of inventory in the right style to fit this home. And it's certainly hard, you know, to have to say that and to walk away from a job, but I'm not going to do a good job and it's not going to look right with my inventory in this really ultra modern um, home. So I had to I hate having to walk away, but I'd rather be honest and just tell the agent I'm not the right one. Somebody else in town or maybe somebody from LA is going to do, going to be the right fit for this home, but call me for the next one. 
Yeah. Not to mention, if you buy inventory for that ultra modern house, once it comes back, like, what are you going to do? What with are you going to do with it? Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> why I'm like, have a niche. Just buy inventory. Yes. Yeah. It's taken a few years to figure that out, but we're getting there and I'm really being able to hone in better on our style and which homes our inventory is going to work in and which homes are not the right one for us and then to be able to pass on. Yeah. And so I think one of the interesting things is that you have the background in designing website as well. So let's say the stager who's listening, who just feels like, I don't really want to deal with any sort of DIY. I want to hire someone. What are some of the advice that you may have for the stager? I think be really clear on what you want your website to look like. Spend some time finding examples of other websites that you like and come when you're hiring a web designer, not every web designer is going to be for you. Web designers have their own style. So spend some time doing some research on different designers, either in your local area, if you want to work with somebody locally, but the more information that you can bring to that designer about what it is that you're looking for is helpful. I think you'll get a better outcome and a better product and something that you're happier with if you can provide them with some clear examples as to what you like. And also web designers are not also copywriters necessarily. And I think having very succinct, clear text and copy on your website is really important and don't overdo it. I see a lot of stagers and other, you know, whether it's event planners or um, wedding photographers, just so I think a lot of people tend to think we have to put a lot of text on there and that that's what's going to sell. And it's not, it's good quality photographs and your web designer isn't going to have those high quality photographs of your work. So as you're going out and researching and getting maybe a web designer involved and hopefully a copywriter also spend some time getting really good photographs um, because your web designer can only do so much and you've got to provide those photographs to them in order for them to be able to put together a beautiful website. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's it's kind of like hiring a home stager, right? It's, <laughs> it's all about the portfolio. And also I want to ask you about pricing because I think also like home stagers, some web designer might charge 10 grand and some home mm-hmm. stager, I'm sorry, some web designer might charge you $500. So how do you decide which one is the qualified web designer? Gosh, that's hard because I think you can, if you can find the right person charging $500 or $1,000, you know, you might be able, you might find somebody who can do a really good job and they're only charging that. Maybe they're just fresh out of school or they live in an area that isn't Santa Barbara where (laughs) the cost of living here is so high. So, you know, just spent, just because you spend $10,000 doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get what you're a top of notch website. I think there's a lot out there, a lot of designers out there that might be, you know, $2,500 and you could get a a good website. I think also understanding, do you want to sell on it? Because then you're going to need to pay more for that e-commerce. So uh, there's a lot of factors I think that go into that pricing, but I think just paying somebody the highest amount that you can find doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting more just because you're spending more. 
I agree with that. I mean, I think the the goal has to be very clear. And I think that comes up in the conversation today over and Mm -hmm. over again. I think when you were doing your website revamp, you really figure out what you wanted out of the website template and then the goal of your website. And then so I think that shows up very clearly in your value proposition and also copywriting as well, which I'm glad that you brought it up because I think that's one of the things that a lot of stages don't realize when they're hiring web designers. Because a lot of times people are just like, you know how like plagiarizing other people's text on their website and a lot of times it's like oh my web designer did it i didn't know but it's probably because web designer didn't get any good copy from you or any right. get any copy from you at all and only you know your business best so it's really important to have that and to learn how to write that for yourself i think uh, very important yes and don't plagiarize <laughs> Yes, definitely don't. It's, I, they say it's flattery. I never think it's flattery. No. It's just a headache, really, to deal with. So our time is coming to an end. So okay. I want to ask you, what is your number one tip you would give to homestagers who are interested in putting their homestaging website together? Um, my number one tip is hire a good photographer if you don't have the capability yourself and also don't just use the the photos that are from the listing agent the real estate photographer i think having photos that the real estate you know photographer um shoots which are wide angle and shows the entire you know room are important to have on your website but you really need to sprinkle in detail shots as well like just that shot that shows the edge of the bed and the edge of the nightstand with a beautiful lamp on it. I think those are really, really important as well. And those are the ones that look better on social media. So again, if you don't have the capability of doing it yourself, hire a photographer, don't rely on the photographs coming from um, the listing agent and find a good local photographer that you can build a relationship with and have them come on site just as you're finishing up and get a couple, you know, even if it's just five or six of those detailed shots are going to really help tell the story and really engage people on your website, but also on social media as well. I learned that one from you, Cindy. Did you? Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, but I was just going to say, I think that is a really good point because right now, I think the consumer trend, especially with millennial, is all about lifestyle. So mm-hmm. we need the lifestyle shot. We need like the typical Instagram shot. And this is why when we look at big Instagrammers like McGee and Co or like Joanna Gaines, mm-hmm. like for example, they never shoot a bed in full width anymore. It's always like cut off with a slice yeah. of the, uh, the nightstand with a beautiful staging on a nightstand and stuff. And that's kind of like the typical shot now. And that's what's really popular. And I love the idea of, yeah, just really not relying on the real estate photographer. And also I think one of the things we keep bringing up today in the conversation is consistency. If you have like, you know, because if you are using real estate agents, photographer, that could be several different ones. And each photographer, just like Sager, has their own signature, their way of like post-processing, their look and feel and stuff like that. And I think, for example, for you, like your website photos look very consistent. It's probably because your husband took them all. So mm-hmm. he edited the photos the same way. He had the same yep. similar angle shots. So like an overall look and feel feels very consistent. And when we have our staging company, we just outsource to one and two photographers and that's it. Because we want everything to look very consistent as well. 
So yeah, so I think that's a really good point. Yeah, there's a big variety and I think in the quality of real estate photographers, at least that I see and a lot of, you know, in their editing and their capture of light, there's a wide variety of styles, but also I think uh, a lot of them don't do as great a job as I would, that I expect to see. So yeah, find some good photographers who understand lighting and just hire them. If you've got a really good staging you're doing, really proud of it, call them up, have them come in and, and shoot it. And you have to keep getting fresh content. So you, it's not just one or two listings that look good and you bring in that photographer, you have to you have to keep doing it. And I know people don't want to hear that and don't want to pay the money on that for, you know, to have, keep hiring photographers. But I think it really helps in being able to keep your website fresh and also, you know, doing your Instagram posts and the Facebook posts and keeping that fresh. That's a really good point. I think, especially now, I think people are really used to generating new content or seeing new content all the time. We're seeing all the big brands doing it. It's trickling down to mom and pop shops as well, like us. And yeah, content is so important today because people digest so much of it. And so if you don't refresh your website or your Instagram often enough, people just think you're not working. And when people think you're not working, they're not going to call you because they're like, <laughs> am I going to get a bunch of tire sofas? You know? Exactly. Yep. So, so, well, so then on that point, how often do you recommend someone refresh your website? I would say, you know, you always want to, in your gallery, you should be keep posting current photos of fresh, you know, newer stagings that you're doing or current stagings. So I think that's just kind of an ongoing activity that you should be doing. But I think, you know, major work on your website, at least I think every maybe two years, you should really take a really good look at it because things are changing. Styles are changing so much in, in websites. And I think if you create a website and a few years goes by and you haven't made any changes to it, it's really time to take a look at it and see yeah. what's current. And I think keeping your website current and sort of like on trend as well with what's, you know, the standard and, and kind of website design and is really important. Yeah. And I also think for SEO purpose, like if you never update your website, Google actually puts you down. And down. Yeah. Yeah. So I try to look at updating about every four or five months. I'm trying to add some new content, either on the homepage or in other places, adding some more links. And then you always kind of keep posting to the gallery as we're, you know, with some current stagings. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on interview today. Thank you, Cindy. Um, so nice to have you. Thank you so yeah. much. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com slash podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging.